0: I just love I love speaking to you guys. I love encouraging you guys. I love preaching, bringing it and uh, yeah, so it's good to be here this morning. It was cool last week, so good to have sunlight in the house, to be gathered together under one roof and just celebrate together Chuck brought a fantastic word, um, just such a, a challenge and an encouragement for us to think uh, generationally and to, to do ministry generationally and to, to think about empowering those that are coming behind us. And, and that was great, how we can kind of impact our city generationally in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's fantastic. I love, I love what God is doing in our city. You know, we talk a lot about the mission of Faith Tabernacle Church and bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and to the world. Like we make no apologize or no apologies for for sharing that often, sharing it loud and proud, just declaring that that's that's like the heartbeat of who we are. It's the mandate that we have to impact our city. We have purpose. We have a mandate. It's, it's like. There's, we're called to something. It's to bring the good news of Jesus. But having a vision is not the same as seeing that vision come to pass. Being called is not a guarantee of success. It's like, ooh, really? You know what? There's a gap. Sorry about that, sound guy. Sorry, Sam. There's a gap. Between, I'll say, the calling and, and the fruition, there's this, there's this tension. There's this, it takes commitment. It takes blood, sweat, tears. It costs something. It's, there's a gap. It's a process. When my family and I were living in Australia, we lived there for a couple of years, we would take little field trips down into Sydney. And when we did that, we would take public transit. And there was a train that we could pick up in, in Parramatta, and we would take the train down. And it was interesting, in the train stations, when you, when you got there, um, when the doors would open, there would be an announcement that would come on, and would say, mind the gap, mind the gap. And you're like, oh, okay. Because when you got to the platform, and the train came up, there was actually a space... Between the train and the platform as you know as we all knew it was there by design It was on purpose But there it was a warning to watch your step as you get on and off the train because if you don't traverse that gap Well, it can really throw a wrench into your travel plans if you fall down in there and get killed or something You know, I mean it kind of puts a damper on your day or break a leg It's a, so they say mind the gap because it's important for us to be able to to traverse that gap well much of our Christian lives are lived in what I want to call a faith gap. There, there's a gap. It's the distance between the promise and the provision, it, it's, it's that distance between the vision and their dreams and hopes and them coming to pass. There's, this, there's a gap there that we have to navigate. It's, it's that distance between our, what's described in the Bible. When we read the Bible and it talks about so many things that we read in it, it's that the distance between what we read there, the reality of God's Word, and the circumstances that we see ourselves and the reality that we're surrounded with. There's this, there's this distance between those two. And depending on the day... That gap can seem rather insurmountable when what the Bible says is here and what I'm experiencing is somewhere over here in left field. And so that gap, we have to traverse that. We have to keep that in mind. We have to think about how we're going to navigate that. It creates a tension of sorts. It's true on so many levels. It's true in regards to our relationship with God. That sometimes there's a gap there about being a Christian. Because we see, we hear the good news of the gospel. We recognize that we need Him. We recognize that there's, there's a need for a Savior, and we accept Jesus, and, and people pray for us, and we have that moment, and it's fantastic and it's wonderful. And then Monday hits. Right? And, and, and we look at our lives and we realize okay, yes, I'm saved, but now what? you know what I mean? There's this, there's this idea of this progression of we recognize that there's a, there's a need, but how do I navigate this journey? What have I gotten myself into? Probably what a more realistic way to describe that is what has Jesus given me the opportunity to be a part of? But even at the same time, we, we, get, we start on that journey and it's like we immediately see the gap. It's the tension between who we are and who we sense God has called us to be, and who we know God has called us to be as followers of Christ. And that is, you know, I talk about that here, but that was a tension that's found within the New Testament Scriptures as well. It, it, was, it was something that was displayed in God's Word. Paul was a predominant evangelist in the early church in the New Testament times. He wrote many letters to different churches that are, are now part of our New Testament, our Bible, and in a letter to the church in Rome, Paul says this. And, and so he's teaching, he's he's speaking to the, the church in Rome, and he's he's talking about this tension, this gap. And if if you want to turn in, in your Bibles, it's Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 18. I'll be reading from the NIV. Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 18. And it and Paul is is describing some things and he's going through some things and he says these words. Romans seven eighteen says, I know that nothing good lives in me. So this is Paul. He's a guy that wrote much of the New Testament. He's like, I know that nothing good lives in me. He says, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, I, do. I don't want to do it, and this I keep doing. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. That is what I keep doing. Paul's talking about this tension, this gap. It's like He says, I know this is what I should be doing, and I, and I kind of get a sense of that, but then it's like when I look at the reality of my experience, there's a gap in here. I can relate to that. Yes, your pastor might even be human. Probably more like, than you'd like to, or that I'd like to admit. There's this gap. It's like, this, I know, like, this is what I feel I should do, and I know I should do, and God's word says, but I'll find myself over here. I mean, I can relate to that. I can see it in my own experience. For Paul and for me, that's not an excuse, like, that's not just, oh, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be woody. That's, that's, that's not what that's talking about. It's, it's, but it's a way to articulate that gap. Here's another gap described to you. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is such an amazing verse. Such promise. Like, this is promise. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I mean, this is a promise to the church, to Christians, to believers. Powerful. And it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I mean, thank you, God, that I am a new creation. Thank you, Lord, that I am made new. And God, I just receive that and I proclaim that. And then, how many of you know, but the old shows up? It's like a bad cold. You know that boomerang, boomerang flu or that bad cold? It's like you get a cold and you get miserable, and, and so you do all the contact C and all the, the, the honey and all that stuff, and, and you try to get better. You get some rest, and you start to feel better. And it's like, all right, I'm over this. And about that time, whack, it comes back on you. It's like I am a new creation in Christ. I am absolutely a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. But the old guy keeps sneaking up on me every once in a while. And he'll smack me upside the head. I'm like, wait a minute, where'd you come from? There's a tension. There's a gap. There's a space. There's a battle between being a new creation and our old nature. We are new in Christ. Believe it, receive it, claim it, live in it. But I would suggest that it's just the beginning of a transformation that begins at salvation and is ongoing in life and practice. We are saved, we are made whole, and then we live life to work that out, to make it happen, to see it come to fruition in our lives. There's a gap, and depending on the day, sometimes my gap is bigger than it should be. But the gap can be a dangerous place if misunderstood. We have to be careful in navigating the gap. It's like, talking about the train station. If misunderstood, it can be very dangerous. Sometimes we recognize the gap and we're taken aback by it. We recognize the gap and we are shocked. It's like, wait a minute. Paul said in Corinthians that I'm supposed to be new here. And we're shocked by it and we recognize it and we're kind of like, what do we do with this? Like, sometimes we, we see it as a mistake either on God's part or our part. Right? It's like this gap. It's, this has got to be some kind of a mistake. Like, this isn't name it and claim it stuff, blab it and grab it. This is like, there's a gap here. There must be some mistake. This is supposed to be all peaches and cream. This is all supposed to be good and easy. It shouldn't be here. And then the enemy sneaks in. Oh, I hate this. But the enemy sneaks in and starts to plant seeds of of doubt, questions in our minds. Things like, well, you're not really saved or you wouldn't be doing something like that. There's a gap there. You're not a new creation. You are a substandard Christian because you don't measure up. Look at how far you are from where you're supposed to be. That can't be right. Are you sure you're saved? Are you sure that you really made that decision? Jesus isn't coming back. Man, it's been 2,000 years. You really believe in a God that's like, like how can you even believe that stuff? Creation? Creation? promise of Jesus coming back 2,000 years of gap and the enemy starts to sow seeds in that we see it as a barrier but God designed it as something else you got to recognize that there's something there's more going on here than meets the eye and when the enemy comes in and starts planting those seeds of doubt and questions in your mind I am going to kind of point you to scripture because I believe there's a lot of answers in there. And again, Paul writing to the church in Rome, he describes the gap very powerfully. And he includes all of creation in this whole process. So this is like a holistic approach to that. This is big, you know, big picture stuff here. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse 18. Again, Paul writing to. So we read in in chapter 7, right? talking about how nothing good lives in me and my sinful nature and trying to fight that battle and to figure that out. And then we come over to Romans chapter 8, and Paul's beginning to disclose some things. He's already talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, so in verse 18, I I want you to read it. And it's like, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying like, The sufferings, the present situation, and the glory to be revealed. The gap that's in there. There's a gap between our present situation sometimes and the glory to be revealed. He says, I want to talk about that gap. He says, "Um, creation waits, verse 19 says, creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen, hope that is seen, is not hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? There's no room for hope without a gap. It's not hope anymore if you've already got it. If the promise and the provision are in the same place, there's no hope. You don't need hope. You've already achieved it. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that words cannot express. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The gap, the hope, the promise, it's it's realization. Paul describes what the faith gap feels like it's frustrating. We groan in that, but it's mixed with hope and expectation. But it's, it's not comfortable. It's the now, but not yet. Right? We're, you know what I mean? It's like we're there. It's real. God's in it. But it's not fully realized yet. It's the now, but not yet. It's, it's, it's that process. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't describe it as evil. In fact, in verse 20, he says that it's the will of the one who subjected it. It's by design. That gap is there by design why God why why the gap why the groaning why the frustration why the risk why not make it easy here's what I believe the answer is to that question and it's going to be the focus of this series over the next few weeks yes that was just my introduction yes are you ready for it simple but true. The truth of the matter is we grow in the gap. The truth is growth happens in that gap. Our faith grows in the God gap in ways that it cannot grow any other way. Our capacity grows in that gap that without being tested will not be developed in any other way. Our relationships deepen in the gap in ways in the gap that our relationships will grow that will not develop or grow in any other way. The space to become all that we were created to be is actually found in the gap. You may have heard the old saying, Healthy things grow, and there's this thing. Can we throw it up on the screen? I got this diagram. I was so proud. I went on. Yeah. See, I did that. <laughs> All you got to do is find the right template, and you you can be a genius. But here's the thought behind it. Healthy things grow. Okay, that's that's easy. Growing things change. Change brings challenges. The gap. Challenges cause us to trust God. Trusting God leads to obedience. Obedience is healthy. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. Change brings challenges. Challenges cause us to trust God. Trusting God leads to obedience. Obedience makes us healthy. Healthy things grow. When we were born we were born to grow physically. We all began as two cells at conception. And we immediately began to develop and grow in the womb. It's by design. A healthy embryo will grow. It's a sign of life. It's just the way we were designed. When we were reborn at salvation, we were reborn to grow spiritually. It's, It's by design. And if we use Jesus... As this perfect prototype of the Christian life, as this predecessor to all of us who follow him, we can read in the New Testament that Jesus was born, the Son of God, was born as a baby in a manger at Christmas time, you know, like we, we celebrated at Christmas time. And we see that he was Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus was God, God with us. And think about it, God could have formed Jesus, his son, could have formed him from the dust of the ground as a fully developed, fully mature adult person, breathed life into him, and had Jesus. I mean, he'd already done it. He did it with with Adam. He could have chosen to do it that way again. But he didn't. He began with two cells, one human, one divine. And from them developed the Son of God into a wee bitty baby who grew up and matured and developed over time. It's incredible. There's not much recorded about Jesus' childhood, very little. He was, it kind of picks it up in the, in the Gospel of Luke when he was 13. Mary and Joseph, they take Jesus, they, they take a little trip to, uh, to Jerusalem, to the temple, as there was their custom. Like, so, you know, they, they take a family vacation and they go to Jerusalem. This is hilarious. While there, they have a great visit, having a good time. They leave. A few days later, I hear the irony in this. A few d- days later, they realize they don't have their 13 year old son with them. How'd you like that on your resume? We lost the Son of God. So they hustle back to Jerusalem and they're like, um, Jesus, where are you at? Like, what are you doing? Where have you been? And you know, it's very interesting that he would just be very calm and collected and answer them in, in a very, very, very calm way. Let's pick it up, because the way the Bible says it is probably going to be a lot more sanctified than the way I would put it. So, chapter two of Luke. Starting at verse 49. Jesus is practicing acting, asking good questions. Remember, he's been gone two or three days. Thirteen years old. Mary says, where have you been? I've been worried sick. He says, why were you searching for me? I mean, come on in. Okay, why were you searching for me? He asked, Did you, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? It's like, duh, mom, come on. But they they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, Nazareth with them, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And here, verse 52. And Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That's profound. Jesus grew. Talking about a gap. Jesus was fully God and fully a teenage boy. Talk about a gap. Okay, so son of God and son of Mary. He was there when the universe was created and spoke into being. And he went back to Nazareth and was obedient to his parents. Talk about a gap to navigate. I mean, Jesus modeled growth. It says Jesus grew in wisdom. He was a learner. He he gleaned the wisdom and he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He got taller. He grew physically. He developed as a man. And he grew in favor with God and man. How does somebody that's already God grow in favor with God? If you can figure that one out, write a book. I'll read it. But there's, you see, that the 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 tension, the gap that's there is like on one hand he's God, on the other hand he's a 13 year old boy, but he navigates that gap very, very, very well. It's powerful how he does it. And I want, and we're gonna get into that in the next few weeks as we continue to 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 develop that. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back because through this series I'm, I'm gonna get into what it means to grow the need for growth, understanding what that looks like, navigating the gap well. The Bible has a lot to say about growing and reaching maturity and everything that goes with it. It's going to be good stuff. You don't want to miss it. But I want to go back to that gap for a second. I want us to think about that gap for a second as we we kind of reflect back there because I think it's so important that we navigate that well. Because it has the potential to provide a place for growth, yes. But it has a risk attached to it. It's like at the train station. It's a risky place to navigate. I used words like frustration, tension, groaning in this passage from Romans. That's real on a personal level as well as a corporate level. We don't typically enjoy that. Frustration, groaning, striving in the gap. We don't typically enjoy that. Am I underwater? (laughs) It's good now? Okay, perfect. thought I was drowning in my message there for a moment. In the pressure of the gap. It's just special effects, people. Roll with it. But we, we do that at a personal level, a corporate level. We don't enjoy it, and we want results in our lives. We want it now. We want to be able to see the fruition of the promise immediately. We don't want to be patient, as Paul says. We don't naturally look to the Holy Spirit for help in those situations. Usually we do one of these. God, I'm frustrated. So this morning, maybe, maybe there's an area of your personal life where you are frustrated maybe there's an area of your personal life where you are frustrated because you're not where you want to be right there's the gap you've got a vision for your own life there's there's dreams, there's aspirations there's things even in God that you believe are, are part of where you should be and you're not there Maybe it's in the area of a relationship. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your health, mental or physical. Maybe, maybe it's so many other things, but I'm saying mind the gap. Be patient but not complacent. Be aware. Be patient but not complacent. Be obedient to what you know to do. Don't let your frustration lead you to sin, but may it drive you to God and grow in the gap. Maybe, think about this, maybe it's in the area of ministry, maybe, maybe, or church life. It's something, you know, that maybe you've got a call in your life, maybe you're sensing that God wants you to do something. One of the challenges that I sometimes wrestle with is many times I see so much more I see what could be. I look at our city and the potential. And even in the midst of that, of my own life, of the church life, of every. And if I'm not careful, the gap between the God vision, which if God doesn't show up is impossible, but it's there. If the tension between that and the present reality and what I see in the physical, if I'm not careful, I can allow that frustration to cause me to sin to be frustrated with myself, to question a lot of things about myself, question my own calling, get frustrated with God. And sometimes, I apologize, I might even get a little bit frustrated with you. Forgive me. But we, get, we live in that tension. It's real. And maybe you're living in that same sort of a tension in some way, Where where you see something, you see the potential, you see the gap, and it's an opportunity. But you but in that moment, sometimes we should on people. I said should. We should on people. Well, they should be doing more. We should be. You know, the church really should, right? We, we, we start to, to get to that place where in the frustration of the gap, we, have a, we, we develop this frustration, this judgmental, this, this feeling of, why doesn't somebody do something about this? Well, hello, somebody. And in those moments, we need to navigate that well because we're not there yet. There's so much potential, so much yet to be done, so many opportunities yet to be realized. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't allow your frustration to cause you to become so frustrated that you should on people. Let's recognize the gap. Let's evaluate it from our own perspective, and let's pray that we can grow through the frustration, through the struggles, through the present sufferings, in the power of the Holy Spirit, believing that God is at work and that he will come bring to pass the promises that he has made, that he will close the gap, that we will navigate it well, and we will see God's plans and purposes come to pass, both for us individually and for us as a church. Can we stand together? If you're here this morning and you recognize that in some area of your life there is a gap we're going to pray, but I just want us to raise a hand as a recognition of, like, man, there is a gap, and I'm praying in it. That's me. That's all across this place, it's, right, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This is a proud moment. This is recognizing that God has more for us than we've realized yet, and we're recognizing we got some places to go, some things to change, and God to do some work. And He will. God, I thank you that in the midst of the gap, Lord, you are present and powerful and at work. And by your Holy Spirit, God, you are at work in us in the gap. Lord, I thank you that there is room for growth in the gap. God, I thank you that you provide us opportunities to grow. Lord, though sometimes it may frustrate us, oh, sometimes, Lord, we may get discouraged. Sometimes, Lord, we may be listening to the wrong voices. God, I speak. Speak against the voices of the enemy that would plant seeds of doubt, f- seeds of condemnation, seeds of just telling us to give up and go home, that that Lord, those voices would be silenced and that they would be overwhelmed by the voice of God saying, "This is the way. Walk in it. We're going to get through this. My plans and purposes for you are good because God, you are good. You are good, and we stand on that promise." And Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in the church and will continue to do in the church and are doing and birthing and growing in us. Lord, increase our capacity. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our influence. Lord, increase our effectiveness to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of this city and to the world. Thank you, God. That you're at work in us and you never give up on us. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen.